Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. In just a few minutes, I'm going to talk to you about leaders who pray leaders who pray. Before I do, I want to remind you of some upcoming roundtables that we have. I'm going to be in Florida on the 28th. Now, I know that there's a whole lot of people who listen to this podcast in Florida, and I'm asking you to be in the room. I'm asking you to go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and to sign up. The information that we're sharing is gold. It will help you. It will inspire you. But more than anything, when you get in a room with people people who want to grow, with leaders who are growing, it creates the catalyst for growth. And it will compel you to grow in ways that you've never thought. And like I say often, when you listen to a podcast, you add to your leadership. But when you're in the room, you multiply your leadership. So that's on February 28th. We're also going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that's going to be on March the 7th, March the 7th. Um, If you're out in Arizona, you're in um, Western uh, Texas, come and be a part of that. I think that you will enjoy it so much. And then we're in St. Louis on March 14th, March 14th. So if you can come and if you can be a part of these, I want you to sign up at GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. At that site, you can see all the various content that we have, all the books that are available. My newest book, Tough Stuff, which is excellent. Uh, My newest flash drive, which has, I think, 44 lessons on it. Uh, All those are available to you. So if you'll go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and just look it over and sign up for the roundtables. Today, I want to talk to you about leaders who pray. Leaders who pray. Let me tell you and start with why we must pray. Why we must pray. The first thing is prayer tells us what's important. That's the first thing that happens in prayer. It tells you what is really, really important. I can tell you from nearly 45 years of doing ministry, the reality is no one hands you a prayer request which isn't important to them. And whatever people want you to pray about or whatever you want to pray about, that tells you what's important. So when a leader prays, that tells us what's important. It's not only that, but prayer tells us what you value. It tells us what you value. It, it gives us insight into the values that motivate you. And then prayer tells us what's really on your heart. See, if I want to really filter through life and I want to get through all the stuff in life, I just listen to someone pray because it's going to tell me what's important, it's going to tell me what they value, and it's going to tell me what's on their heart. Prayer is the microscope of the soul. 
It is the microscope. It is the ability to take an x-ray of someone's spirit and to see what's important, what they value, and what is on their heart. So why do we pray? Because there's things that are important to us, because there's values that we want to express and embrace, and because there are things that are on our heart. That's the reason. But When you come to this thing called prayer, all of us have to navigate the same territory, and that is there's problems with prayer. There are problems that everyone faces in prayer. I face them, you face them, every individual faces them. And the first problem is found in Matthew 26 and verse 41, our flesh doesn't like it. See, my physical body doesn't want to pray. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when he had asked them to pray for one hour. What did he do? He came back and he found them asleep and he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our physical bodies will resist prayer. They will give you every reason not to pray. They're too tired to pray, too much going on to pray. Our bodies will do anything to deter you from prayer. Your spirit knows that you need to pray. Your body resists it. And that's one of the problems is that prayer is where you take dominion over your flesh and you choose to live in the spirit. Now, that's gold for some of you. Luke 18 and verse 1 gives us another. Our heads don't get it. See, it's not only that our bodies resist it, but our heads don't understand it. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, made this statement. He said, men ought to always pray and not give up. And what he then goes into is he goes into all of these dynamics of what has happened in prayer. And he talks about this circumstance and that circumstance. And so it's not just our flesh is resistant, but our head doesn't understand it. How can just saying simple words change anything? How in the world can me taking this time to articulate these feelings really do anything? Why in the world is it that God needs me to do this? He's God. So you have all of these obstacles, our flesh that resists it, our heads that don't get it, and then our social life that will struggle with it. Remember, it is said repeatedly of Jesus, like in Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, he departed to be alone, to go into the wilderness to pray. See, for you to depart, you've got to leave something. You've got to let go of something. You've got to say, hey, I'm not going to do something. And usually those appear to be fun things. Well, I could be hanging with my friends. Well, I could be doing this. And we have this whole list of things. But for you to pray, you've got to disconnect from things that seem like you would want to be doing them. But see, we have these problems. Our flesh doesn't get it. Uh, It resists it. Our head doesn't understand it. It has all these questions about it. Our social life struggles with it. Why should I give up this to go do it? 
and our results conflict with it. And our results conflicting with it just deals with the fact that there's unanswered prayer. And again, if you go back to Matthew 26, Jesus is going to pray a prayer. Lord, if there's any way this can happen any other way, let it happen that way. But the reality is nothing's going to change. The same course that he was set on will be the course that he finishes. Why? Because this prayer is not going to be answered. There's no other way to get it done. So there's problems in prayer. Our flesh doesn't like it. Our heads don't get it. Our social life will struggle with it. Our results conflict with it. And then, Mark eleven twenty four, our faith will doubt it. Our faith will doubt it. That's what Jesus said. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, there are times when we just doubt what we're praying. Is it working? Is it not working? Why is it working sooner? And then our lives disqualify us. Jesus goes on in verse 25, and he just says this. He says, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against anyone. And he says, hey, sometimes your life positions you where prayer isn't going to work because of something that you're holding on to. So really in the Bible, there are five reasons that people don't pray. Our heads don't get it. Our social life struggles with it. Our results conflict with it. Our faith doubts it. And our life disqualifies it. So when you pray, you're confronting all of those. You have to get beyond your flesh. You've got to get beyond your head. You've got to let go of your social preferences. You've got to understand there are going to be conflicts of unanswered prayer. And you are going to have to realize that your faith at times will doubt it. And our lives at times feel disqualified. Now, all that sets us up for this. Exodus 17, verses 10 through 12. It says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, an act of prayer, the Israels were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, he grew tired in prayer. The Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And what we know is, is that Israel won the battle. Now, what is going on here? we see the dramatic illustration of a leader praying. We see the results of that prayer, and we see the effect of that prayer. We see everything that's going on. But that prayer, from a leadership perspective, it encapsulizes some ideas that we need to dive into to help us to begin to understand exactly where we're at and what we need to do as leaders in prayer. 
The first thought is this, great giftedness without prayer equals failure. Great giftedness without prayer equals failure. See, Moses was gifted. God called him, God appointed him, God positioned him. There's no doubt about that. The Bible's crystal clear. But even though he was called in position and anointed, he still needed to pray. So I need you to understand that there isn't any degree of anointing that you possess, gifting that you possess, positioning by God that you possess, that somehow can happen without prayer being a part of it. Prayer is a part of the equation. It is a part of the mixture. And so without prayer, giftedness fails. Without prayer, position fails. Without prayer, we find out potential fails. So great giftedness without prayer equals failure. It is vivid in this story. No matter what was going on, Moses needed to pray. And what I want to say to you is, you may be one of the most gifted individuals. You may have wisdom that exceeds most. You may have talent that's greater than most. You have an anointing that's bigger than most, but you still need to pray because all of those things can only be processed in meaningful prayer. Giftedness without prayer will create failure. Second thought, success isn't sustainable without others. Success isn't sustainable without others. One of the things that you find biblically is this. The model of prayer is that praying with others is one of the most effective ways to pray. See, we see in this illustration that as long as Moses' hands were up, the symbol of prayer, reaching out to heaven, the invitation of prayer, beginning to cry out to God, the voice of prayer, everything was working for Israel. But there came a time when he was just tired. He was caring too much. And so what did he need? He needed others to come alongside and support him. Now, I want you to get it. No one could replace him, but people could support him. And so success isn't sustainable without others. So other individuals came along and assisted him in this divine invention of prayer. And as they assisted him, the battle began to change. It was visible and it was tangible because they held up the hands of the leader. And I wished I had time to dive into that. It's one of the lost arts of what's going on right now. And so success isn't sustainable without others. Number three, the real battles in life occur in prayer. The real battles in life occur in prayer. See, down in the valley, there was a physical battle taking place. But up on the hill, there was a spiritual battle taking place. Joshua was leading the physical battle, but Moses was leading the spiritual battle. And that begins to tell you a couple of things. 
most battles are never one-sided. There are two sides to them. In the way that Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 10, and he had to confront the spiritual dynamics of what had been oppressing the future of Israel, in that same way, there is a spiritual dynamic. And most of the real battles, no one ever sees. They are inward battles. They're battles that no one knows that the conflict is going on. But it's there that the leader must lead first. See, if you don't lead on the inside and you do not lead on the inside with prayer, then very little will sustain afterwards. So success isn't sustainable without others, but the real battles in life occur in prayer. Number four, everyone needs to hold up other people's hands. Everyone needs to hold up other people's hands. In my life, there are people I pray for. They are further along in me in ministry. God has positioned them with a platform that is greater than mine. He has chosen to put them in positions of prominence that causes them to be more well-recognized than me. And I could sit there and I could say, God, it's not fair. You've platformed people. You've positioned people. You've put people in places that you didn't put me. But do you know what my job is? When I find someone who's further along than me and that God's positioned in a platform that would be bigger than mine, it is to hold their hands up. So there's like three to five people that in my regular prayer time, I'm always going to hold up their hands. Why? Because I know that they will get tired. And I know that they will get weary. And I know that when they get tired and they get weary, my prayers can hold up their prayers before God. So everybody needs to hold up other people's prayers. And everyone needs to hold up other people's hands. So let me ask you this. Outside your family, where there's not any ramifications back to you, who do you pray for regularly? If there's not a handful of people you're praying for regularly, I want to invite you to get on a prayer journey and to find a couple of people and to begin to pray for them and believe God with them and for them because a part of the kingdom is extending our hands to hold up other people's hands. The next principle, when people pray, everyone wins. So when a leader prays, everybody's going to win. Israel's going to win. Everyone in Israel is going to win. And see, that's the thing about leadership. Leadership is a force multiplier. And as a force multiplier, it just means that other people win when we do well. And so when leaders pray, everyone wins. There are people who are in the midst of the battle of life who will not win unless we pray. And that's just true. Our prayers are critical and our prayers are important. Next principle, 
The name Aaron, remember two people are going to go hold up Moses' arms. One of them's name Aaron, the other one's name Her, H-U-R-R. The name Aaron means strength. The name Her, H-U-R-R, means liberty. So what God's saying is our prayers bring strength to people and they bring liberty when we pray. So when we pray, our prayers bring strength and enablement and they bring liberty and freedom to people. Number seven, our natural efforts must be empowered, backed by spiritual disciplines. See, down in the valley, Joshua was using all the strategic skills that he had. Men of war had been trained. They were skilled in what they did. But our natural efforts are inadequate without spiritual disciplines behind them. And so our natural efforts require the spiritual disciplines. And the discipline of prayer is a requirement. It's just something that you must do. And then eight, the instructions that God gave to Joshua was to tell him what had happened, that he was never to forget the victory because the victory won in the battle was because someone was reaching out to God in prayer. So the victory that was won down in that valley was because someone was reaching out to God in prayer. There's no victory in the valley without someone praying. And the church has got to get back to it. We've got to get back to being that prayer component. We have to be able to literally fulfill what is said and articulated by our Lord and Savior. My Father's house will be called a house of prayer. We need to be people of immense, deep, personal, and divine interaction in prayer. So I want you to understand that prayer is important because it tells us what's important. Prayer is important because it gives us the values of what is important, and prayer tells us what's really on our heart. But then we have to work through the fact that our flesh doesn't like it, our heads don't get it, our social life will struggle with it, our results at times conflict with it, our faith will doubt it, and our lives disqualify us. And if we get through all of that as a leader, you learn Giftedness without prayer will equal failure. Success isn't sustainable without others. And the real battles in life occur in prayer. And everyone needs to hold up someone else's hands. And when we pray, everybody wins. Not just us, but everyone. And our prayers bring strength and freedom and liberty to others. And our natural efforts must be empowered and backed by spiritual disciplines. And we should never forget that even though we think we fought really hard in the valley, it was fighting in prayer that won 
the battle. I hope this helps you. I believe more than anything, we need praying leaders. And we need leaders who know how to pray big and know how to pray out in front and know how to keep praying so that we create a platform for God to intervene because ultimately prayer is an earthly intervention and it's an earthly invitation for God to begin to intervene in life circumstances. I pray that you're praying. I pray that you're valuing the importance of prayer because so much is riding on our commitment to pray. Thank you for joining me. I want to remind you, February 28th, Florida, all of you that are listening to this, sign up. Albuquerque on March the 7th and then March 14th in St. Louis. Come and join us and be a part. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.